2: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
3: America's fastest-growing TV brand. Now launching. Revolution
1: sequence star. Mackie and Joe. We'll see
3: you. in. it? Let's go. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Opening bell. Want to ring the bell? He can
2: play with no reps. We've established that point, you know, some time ago in his career. You, you, you like to walk off the field Saturday and have have your plan set, but I mean, this this is the National Football League. Things happen, so I mean, we'll be ready for anything. But um, I know he I know he wants to play. So we'll see how it goes.
4: You see, Manny Hill, this is... The National is, Football this, I told League, you, Chad, yes. N- nobody within this league ever calls it the NFL. <laughs> it is the National Football League. And as Collar said on the Thursday show, it is football. You, you possess the football. You do not possess the ball.
2: That side of the football.
4: That was uh, Packer coach Mike McCarthy as we continue what appears to be the charade of will he or won't he. Aaron Rodgers is not going to practice this week. The Packers actually practice Wednesday, Thursday. They don't practice on Fridays, but they come back into a light practice on Saturdays. Uh, McCarthy sort of talked out of both sides of his mouth today at one point saying that, uh, that Rodgers might go through practice on Saturday and he might do this and might do that because he had said yesterday that it was no slam dunk that Aaron would play against the Vikings and then he'd follow that up by saying but he doesn't have to practice so we really don't care He, he can still start so he's going to start let's start off with this and I'm curious how Vikings fans feel about this because I know as a football fan exactly how I feel Whoever is going to make the mandate that Aaron Rodgers plays on Sunday, and Manny, I've said several times, I believe it's just Aaron himself basically saying, I'm playing. I'm playing, yep. Um, I'm going to be very upset if this results in anything that keeps him out long-term because, number one, I as a football fan should never be forced to watch Deshaun Kaiser play quarterback again. And number two, this is one of the, if not the best quarterback in this entire league, and I have no interest in seeing him lost for... Several weeks, let's say eight or nine weeks, yeah. because he decided to play in one game. I want Aaron Rodgers playing as much as possible. I know that's probably not a very favorable thing to say with Vikings fans, but if they go out and get him hurt, I'm going to be ticked off because that makes this a whole lot less fun. And if the Packers, you know what, too, this is all on them. This is their fault. Because if they yeah. had signed, if they had signed or traded for a decent backup quarterback, we probably wouldn't have to go through this complete BS but when you follow up um hunley with Deshaun Kaiser it's your fault that you feel that you have to play this guy on Sunday because your backup quarterbacks are that bad
2: well i think definitely something to watch for on Sunday is if cuz look if if the vikings jump out in this game on the packers the way the bears did i think if you're the packers you really have to consider sitting Aaron Rodgers down because if you Because look, the Bears there's there's talent on that defense, and Khalil Mack was a monster in the first half of that game. But that unit as a whole is not the unit that Aaron Rodgers is going to be facing on Sunday. So if the Vikings jump out twenty to nothing, like Mm -hmm. the Bears did, Mm -hmm. if you're Mike McCarthy, you got to think about shutting Aaron Rodgers down. Because if you get him hurt, and like you said, if he's out eight to nine eight to nine weeks then your, your season screwed. If it was up, even if he's going to come back later in the season, you're who knows how far back in the standings you'll be. If it was up to you, would you play him? If it, if this was your decision to
4: make and you were the Packers and you felt like you, you had control mm. of the quarterback, which I don't think that they do truly. Right. I think this That's is a big part of it. his call, but if you had control of if you had the strings uh to this puppet show,
2: would you play Aaron Rodgers on Sunday? I would probably start him. And see how he looks. If he does not look like himself, then I'm yanking him, and I'm putting—I mean, reluctantly—I'm putting Deshaun Kaiser back into the game. I mean, that's going to be but if, but a mess. A, but if here's they the do thing, that. though, Judd. If it's me, I don't have Deshaun Kaiser right. as my backup in the first place. Yep. And that's the biggest problem that they have here is that they're—they're—they painted themselves into a corner now, because now because Deshaun Kaiser is so flipping bad. They feel like, and even Aaron Rodgers himself feels like, yeah, I have to play in this game because if I don't, we have zero chance. Whereas if they had a more viable backup, then you could say, okay, maybe Aaron, look, we would love to have you play, but take this week off. Get yourself as healthy as possible. And we'll go out there with backup A, who's at least serviceable and give us a decent chance to win the game. Trevor Simeon.
4: Is certainly not a great quarterback, but I give the Vikings a lot of credit for the fact that they learned their lesson in the year that Bridgewater's leg unfortunately snapped and they had Sean Hill. And we rightfully said, now nobody would have thought that Teddy was going to get hurt that bad. But I remember at the start of that training camp, I wrote something saying, what are you doing here? Sean Hill is at best sort of a pseudo quarterbacks coach. He can't really play, mm-hmm. which he couldn't. I mean, he start, he started the game. In Tennessee to start the season, he won the game, and then he was immediately placed on the injury report, and no one ever was, saw him because he, was, he was
2: so old. He was exhausted. Yeah.
4: So the Vikings, <laughs> yeah. Spielman and, and company, to their credit, learn their lesson, which is go out and get someone who is younger and has started some games. Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon. They're not, they might not be fantastic, but if they need to get you through four games, they can. Sean Hill couldn't. And Deshaun Kaiser is a train wreck. And
2: and the, and the thing of it is Kaiser does have starting experience. The problem He's is just a he trainer. was awful. Yes. He was awful. Now
4: so. now here here is the Packers' fatal flaw. And this is where if you're a Viking fan, you should be absolutely delighted. When Rodgers gets hurt, Mike McCarthy has fooled himself into thinking that he can develop quarterbacks.
2: That's the problem here. He thought he could develop uh, oh, Hunley! What was the what was the quote he had last year? I, well, I've got three years, yes. three years invested in, yeah. in Brett Hundley and Joe Callahan. Yeah. Well, where are Brett Hundley and Joe Callahan? Where is Joe Callahan still even? I have no idea. Packers or not?
4: I have no clue. But why is your why is your ego so overtaken you yeah. that you believe Mike McCarthy stumbled upon when he was hired the fact that in their back pocket the Packers had been uh, blessed basically that, what, 22, 23 teams had passed on Rodgers in the 2005 mm-hmm. draft, as we discussed a couple days ago. Mike McCarthy's fatal flaw is his hubris in thinking he develops QBs. Mike, no, you don't. You got lucky. Yeah. You got hired by a team that Brett Favre was near the end, at least in Green Bay, and you had Aaron Rodgers on your bench. And for him to actually think for his That's right,
2: because he wasn't even no. That was that was and it's his uh, ego. He was that a was tight Mike end. Sherman, right? Yes. He drafted Aaron Rodgers, right? It, well, it was a Ted. Well, no, yeah. No, but, right? But, but, but it was Sherman Ted was and, and Sherman. Coach, right? Yes, yeah. yes.
4: And and they had just made the change after they were ousted in the first round by the Vikings in two thousand four, where they stripped Mike Sherman of the GM duties. They mm-hmm. hired Ted. They kept Mike around for another year or so, and that was the situation. Where Aaron just fell, but McCarthy, who was a, I think a tight ends coach and OC, has convinced himself that he develops QBs. That's, and he was a
2: coordinator with the 49ers, 49ers. right? Yes, and I, I they like five and eleven or something. Yeah, under, and I uh, think he was. I think he was tight ends coach with the Saints before that. And that was was that Mike Nolan he coached under?
4: Yeah. in San Francisco. Yes, it probably was. But can you imagine thinking he he his ego is so big now yeah. he thinks he develops QBs he thinks I he thinks that he played a large role in developing Aaron Rodgers which I'm sure he played a nice little role but guess what the guy's got all the, he's got Aaron was more, probably yes, gonna be good anyway he's got more God given talent yeah and so now you and now you look at Deshaun Kaiser film if you are McCarthy and you say bring him here he didn't win a game in Cleveland last year. He looks completely lost, but I'll develop oh, yeah, him. Yeah,
2: I'll fix him. Yep.
4: That is that is good for Vikings fans, bad for Packers fans, but I am going to be PO'd on Sunday if they get this guy hurt and I am now have to spend the rest of this year watching when Deshaun I watch Keiser. the Packers play, which isn't a lot, but when I watch them play, watching Deshaun Kaiser play.
0: Ding ding. I understand the
1: rivalry of of uh the Vikings and the Packers and I understand the, the proximity of everything here and um, you know maybe I didn't understand it at first when I first got here but I understand it now and um, you know they're all big games this one obviously you know they've been the, the perennial division champ here for a long long time and so um, you know we're we're just trying to go out there and play our best every time we go.
4: All right, obviously that's a Zim on Sunday's game and the rivalry that exists between the Packers and the Vikings. Can I tell you about, a, I guess, a mistake I made today on Twitter, Manny Hill? Oh, oh, please do. Okay, so today, just for fun, and without passing any judgment whatsoever, just for fun, though, because the one storyline, because of all the Rodgers talk that has gone on this week, the one storyline that we've completely ignored is... Kirk Cousins is about to go play in a rivalry game that he has never been a part of in a hostile environment. Mm -hmm. So there's a Kirk Cousins angle here. So without passing any judgment, I went and looked up the biggest rivalry that Cousins has played as a professional so far in his career with Washington, which would be the Dallas Cowboys, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. And so I just tweeted. This is all I tweeted. So there's no commentary here whatsoever. Kirk Cousins started seven games against Washington's arch rival, the Dallas Cowboys. He went 1-6 and in those games, completed 176 to 257 passes for 1,919 yards with 12 touchdowns, 5 picks, and 13 sacks. His passer rating in those seven games was Mm 97.7. All I was doing was saying "This, this was his, yes, pretty good, bad record, not his fault, the defense stunk. But all I was doing was saying, okay, here's a sampling of how he fared, and you're right, pretty good in the biggest rivalry in which he has played so far as a National Football League player. Vikings fans are uptight this week. Oh,
2: boy. They were uptight today. This is a personal week for for Vikings fans.
4: I The, the responses I've gotten are hashtag irrelevant. Not quite apples to apples, Judd, which I never said it was. Uh, and let's see here. It, it kept going on and on and on with people who were very upset Oh, awful tweet, Judd. To which I tweeted back: "It's, oh, yeah. it's nothing. It's, there's no commentary there. It can't be an awful tweet. You might not like it, but all it is is factual numbers of a rivalry yeah. in which Cousins played. Good thing the Vikings aren't playing the Cowboys this week. Um, and on and on and on. People, lighten up, lighten up. He has decent. He played in a big." National Football League rivalry before. Mm-hmm. He has decent statistics. His team did not win. I'm not blaming him. I never said he was 1-6, and six, and this bodes poorly for Sunday's game. But my gosh, Vikings fans. Some, I mean, the, the sensitivity that they have about something like this, which is nothing more than a
2: series of statistics. And you know why? It's because it's Packer Week. I know. That's exactly why. It's Packer Week, and everybody is so wound up whenever the Vikings get ready to play this team, no matter what the circumstances are, it's just every little thing is fragile. And every little comment, every single take on anything is just, it gets everybody. Can we not be so sensitive, though?
4: I was tweeting a series of numbers. I did not tweet any commentary about the the fact that this might not bode well, or heck, that it might bode well for him. My only point the past two days has been because, and the Rodgers story is a huge story. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. My only point the past two days, though, has been that because of that, Cousins has been largely ignored. And guess what? If you're Cousins, you're probably the happiest guy in town. Yeah,
2: You're probably ecstatic. Because if there there was no Aaron Rodgers injury and if there was no speculation on how good he would be or how much he would play or anything like that or if, if he would play at all all the attention would be on Kirk Cousins. How is Kirk going to handle this environment? This is a big division game. Is he going to be able to handle all the... You know, can he can he go on the, on the road into Lambeau in a tough environment and come away with a big road win, that's ex- all that stuff? Yeah. That's, that's all we would be talking about this week. Yes. And now
4: we, we barely talked about Kirk Cousins at all this week. Right. So all I tried to do was, was basically throw out some stats that say I'm acknowledging the Vikings have a starting quarterback who might be pretty good too. That's all you're doing. And Vikings fans are as tight as can be tough in the playoffs. Have some fun. You're this tight in week two? Loosen up. It's Friday. Enjoy. Go have a beer. Go to Bunny's. I might go there. Have a
2: beer. Have a beer.
4: Relax. Uh, Quickly, too, Uh, we have an injury report from the Vikings. Pat Elfline, who did not play um, on last Sunday against San Francisco and was limited in practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, has been declared out. So Brett Jones will start again. The good news is defensive end Everson Griffin, who was, in addition to the injury report on Thursday, limited, will play in this game he participated in full on Friday so that's the good news Griffin appears to be fine Mm -hmm. Mackenzie Alexander also participated all week long in practice uh, as did Trey Waynes so I suppose you could see you could see if Vikings uh, use three cornerbacks which they will at times Rhodes, Waynes and Alexander or you could see Rhodes Waynes and Hughes not sure which yet Uh, When we come back, we are going to get an early scoop from Doogie, uh, and then Sage Rosenfels, we taped this earlier today, will join us at the bottom of the hour to preview Vikings Packers, also talk about his experience when he went back to Lambeau in 2009 with a quarterback who was pretty unpopular. The show is Mackie and Judd. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios for this hour. Phil will join at 4 o'clock, by the way. It is Zolgad and Manny Hill.
2: 13pubs. Lucky's13pub.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell
1: you what now.
3: Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: Let me tell you what now.
3: Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: Hey, yeah.
0: I, I want, want the scoop, scoop, baby. Scoop, scoop, baby. scoop baby.
4: All right, scoop time. Mackie and Judd, our one at least is uh, Zolgad, Manny Hill, uh, producing, chiming in, of course. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And joining us right now, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, TGIF. Sir, you got some scoops for us?
0: Good afternoon. Hi, Judd. Hi, Manny. These headphones are all jacked up. I just met consultant Jason in the hallway. Closed circuit to Jason. Get good headphones. Get workable equipment. That I think is your that's, number one goal in this studio. I think that's up to Mr. Mackey. Building. I don't this think the station.
4: Consultant, I don't think the consultant's in charge of headphones. I think we're going to have to rely on Mr. Mackey to take care of that.
0: All right, this one is better. There is are that two better? slots oh, down yeah, here. You told me to go to the he, left. Let me tell you what in
3: that. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
0: Hey, yeah, I, I want a scoop, scoop, baby. Scoop, scoop, oh. baby.
4: All right, scoop time. Mackie and Judd, hour one at least, is uh, Zolgad, Manny Hill, uh, producing, chiming in, of course. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And joining us right now, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, TGIF. Sir, you got some scoops for us?
0: Good afternoon. Hi, Judd. Hi, Manny. Hi, These Doogie. headphones are all jacked up. I just met consultant Jason in the hallway. Closed circuit to Jason. Get good headphones, get workable equipment. That I is your number one goal in this studio. I think that's up to Mr. Mackey. Building, I don't think the station.
4: consultant. I don't think the consultant's in charge of headphones. I think we're going to have to rely on Mr. Mackey to take care of that. <laughs>
0: All right, this one is better. There is are that two slots oh, down yeah, here. You, you told me to go to the left.
4: Yeah, go, go to the left. The right one doesn't work. It no, the right one work.
0: works. The left one doesn't work.
4: I don't know them. Oh, this it, is it seriously night and day. It this sounds
0: so much better. Yeah. Anyway, so I've got some scoops. You ready for the first one?
4: I am ready, set, go.
0: Guess who finally connected via the phone yesterday?
4: Um, Thad Levine.
0: No, but close. Derek Falvey and Byron Buxton. So after oh, okay. many, oh. many days, oh, t- there was finally a phone conversation. I'm told it went okay. Not much beyond okay. I wouldn't expect it. Wasn't it wasn't a train wreck. Okay. But to even suggest it went good is a stretch. I don't have every single well, he detail. he was ducking their calls previous to yesterday, correct? He was, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they made a number of efforts, yes. Now I can't fault the young man. No, no. So,
4: so you heard it went, that it didn't turn into a shouting match? Is that it what you're saying? It was not a
0: shouting match. It went okay. It was cordial. But to say it went great would be a stretch. To say it even went good would be a stretch. So what do we think it sounded like without
4: the four letter words involved? What do you think it sounded like?
0: I mean, I think it was one of those deals where Derek was trying to put out the fire, but Derek can't come out and say, Hey, this is a service time issue Right. when Byron knows it's a service time issue. So when you can't really address the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. I think that's why the conversation, I mean, it just, it couldn't go well. If that couldn't come up, and Byron knows why he's not in a major league uniform right now. Why he's home down in the south, and Derek can't address that for obvious reasons. I mean, there may be a grievance filed very, very soon. Right. So Derek can't suggest anything in that regard. Then how would that conversation go? Well, it just—I wouldn't it, expect it to. Yeah. yeah I mean, it just—it it could not. I mean, so. you, if, but if, hey, if you're they fal- finally talked, which is which is a little bit of problem. If
4: you're Falvey right now, your best hope is to um, begin to repair the damage.
0: That's your only hope. Well, and... Because he's not going to pick up the phone and say, great to talk to you. Correct. And I still think time heals most wounds. The Twins still have Byron under control for multiple years. They could offer him a raise next year. They could revisit extension talks. Recall last winter after Byron won the Platinum Gold Glove. He earned a couple MVP votes even at 23 years old. The Twins did offer him a six-year extension. Now, it was a team-friendly offer, at least in my mind. And I know some people at the Twins are not happy that I call it a team-friendly offer. But my definition of a team-friendly offer is a guy coming off a year when he got MVP votes, when you make him a six-year offer, but it includes not one but two team options. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a team-friendly offer. Mm-hmm. But I know at least one Twins higher up who has a big-time disagreement on that with me. Well, they're, yeah, of course. And I don't fault the Twins for an office. Hey, try. I mean, the worst... That the camp can but that's say, not their problem right no. now. Oh, right, but, no, no, but that's, that's not, not the problem. But that's an I'm just saying you could revisit extension talks, go up I in value. You know what? You shouldn't. I mean, they've so thoroughly botched this that I don't know what they're doing right now. But I still think, I mean, I think you and I disagree on this. I still think there is enough there. For what? For him to turn into a really good player. Oh, no. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't that's... say that. No, no, no. So I'm not. We agree. I'm, I'm not anti-revisiting but, extension talks. Oh, I'm
4: sorry, Dukes. I was saying they've so thoroughly botched the fact that they sent him home. Oh, sure. That that no Byron Buxton, God willing, becomes a great player, and if they want, want to call him up and talk extension, that's fine. No, I'm my main point has been since the day they did this. I can't believe that they lacked that smart people lacked this much common sense.
0: Well, and you and I were both there for that Tom Thibodeau Scott laden event on Monday. How about that lineup? They tried it out on Monday. It was embarrassing. It was the biggest joke ever. Yet they actually suggested, Thad Levine went on the record, suggesting that there wasn't playing time available for Byron. It was embarrassing. No, Give me a
4: bleep and break. The whole thing was embarrassing.
2: Why Uh, even include that in what you're saying? I I mean, I, I just, I don't. All due respect to Thad. Like, why? Why would you even include that? Because nobody's gonna. Take I'm gonna t- portion right, of it. Seriously, I'm gonna tell
4: you right now. I'm nobody's sti- gonna buy that, guys. I'm still convinced that Thad was doing someone else's work for them. He is far too smart of guy to include that unless he was told to.
3: I you think you that might go to the gr- I that. think that might go to the grievance. Yeah, I, mean- I don't
4: know what it was, but Thad Levine, that third point was dumb. It was dumb. It was laughably dumb. And it lacked all common sense and it was insulting to everybody. He was doing somebody's work for them.
0: That's fine, although he's got a lot of say. But yeah, I mean, we agree. And I feel like I've gotten to know him. I mean, practically he's a co host like on him. the Scoop Podcast. Although Do you Full Disclosure, him? are you paying him? Now? I don't. I told him I owe him some money. <laughs> he passed on an opportunity this week to join the podcast, maybe for the first time ever. So I don't think he's real happy with me right now. And that's fine. I'll catch up with him at or some I point. Or he just couldn't know he can't win. When the season ends, if I know he, he can't if he comes wait. on with you now. Yeah, what's he going to say? I read. I read something that was really stupid. I didn't write. Yeah, but he should know me better than to think I would just hammer, hammer, hammer. I need to ask the question. Maybe even an obvious follow up or two. Yeah, but you got it. But ask I would have had lot. him on to talk some other talking points as well. It wasn't going to I be twenty minutes of man. Anyway, you screwed keep up going the with that situation. Twin stuff. Maurer. Is well, he?
4: Are those quotes a a indication that he is leaning towards retirement now? I saw Sid said today he'd be shocked if Joe came back.
0: Well, I mean, how many different coaches, front office people, even former players have we talked to, Judd, where once the word retirement enters the mind, you're already far enough down that road. So the fact that he's thinking about it, sure, should lead us to believe that, yeah, there is a decent chance that he will walk away. I will tell you that the vibe going back to spring training into May before he suffered yet another concussion was he wanted to play another year. Mm-hmm. But I told you this a couple weeks ago, that those around him have gone silent. silent. So that just got me to think. Now, credit to Lavelle for getting those quotes. I think they oversold it a bit on social media. I mean, it's not like he announced his retirement. They were good quotes. But it's not like... He said, I'm done. I mean, some people think he's still going to be back. In fact, I still think just because he can still play and people like Justin Morneau and others are in his ear saying, you need to keep playing. You can still put up really good numbers. Why not keep going? You know, so I still think it's up in the air to a degree, but I'm just saying in general, oftentimes when guys or women bring up the word retirement, it often means that they're so far down that road that it's nearly inevitable that they do walk away.
2: Do you get the sense, Doogie, that Derek and Fad will want Joe back at the right pl- at the right price? And if he does come back, what what is his role? Is he a platoon guy? I mean, is he going to be an everyday first baseman again for another year? I mean, this is all speculating if he does even come back. But if if he decides he wants to come back, do they want him back? And in what kind of role will he have?
0: This might surprise a lot of people. I actually think they would like him back. Nobody will believe this, but I'm just telling you it. Joe Maurer is an underrated leader. He fires up guys in that clubhouse. I'm just telling you. Now, everybody listening right now is probably like, you got to be I just kidding pa- me. I just passed There's out. There's no way what you're saying <laughs> I'm comatose is right truthful, now, so ignore but me. <laughs> before every game, he does it. Now, we never see that side... In any interview, he's never revealed himself. Going back so many years, heck, going back to when I talked to him at Creton back in 2000, he's never but is revealed that worth himself. Him coming back for? I mean,
4: he's a streaky first baseman who's I who's think, got a really good glove, but he goes through very short spurts where he hits the ball hard, and then he doesn't for a month.
0: Well, I mean, what about this idea? Tyler Austin is out of options. I think there's a future there. Yeah, I'd What give about him a some sort of, sort of platoon? Of base, maybe, yeah. Yeah. What about some sort of platoon? Maurer, Austin against lefties Joe and Austin. against righties. Yeah, I still think Joe plays Gold Glove defense. You'll take the defense. Uh, he's a defensive replacement. too. You'll still take the 370 that, on yeah. base clip, right? He can still get on base, even if the power is not. I think if I'm him, I
4: walk. But that's just me.
0: Well, and again, I mean, the fact that he said what he said, sure. I mean, that wouldn't be surprising whatsoever. But I'm just saying, Manny, to answer your question, I actually do think. That they They would welcome him back. Yeah, just because, I mean, the clubhouse this year was a wreck. It just was going back to Morrison, Lynn. Now, heck, on the surface, each individual signing, I praised. I thought signing Morrison. Was a good no, move. I, I, I thought even giving up the draft pick for Lynn was a good move. I was all in, was on, on, was all yeah. in on all those yep. moves. Yep. I but they will acknowledge having so many guys on expiring contracts. Gosh, what a disaster! There was a Lance lot of me, me, me. I just don't think not th- enough of team in that clubhouse. I just
4: don't think Joe coming back because he uh, um, quietly leads is a reason to come back.
0: No, I think it's on the field. I still think he's a good player.
4: Yeah, he just goes through periods where he doesn't hit the ball hard again and then he will for two weeks. He was hitting the ball hard against the Yankees a few times. He he got in a a streak there but then it goes away. Uh, Let's wrap up with uh, Wolves scoops. I see that Noah is about to hit the market but people are cautioning us. Don't be concerned. Tibbs ain't signing him.
0: Well, I did check with somebody close to Noah even again today and I'm led to believe that the Wolves' interest isn't there. A big part of that is the Wolves are right up against the luxury tax. This I can promise you, the Wolves are not going over the luxury tax (laughs) for this year. Now, they have some roster-slash-cap flexibility because James Nunnally is not on a guaranteed contract. But you're not punting on Nunnally after just signing him. Right. You know, so... Especially
2: when he potentially gives you something that you don't have, which is three-point shooting. Correct.
0: I mean, he was an excellent three-point shooter in Europe last year. I mean, the second-best league in the world, the EuroLeague. He was, what, a 50, what was 50, it, Manning, I it's 50, 53%? I think it's 53%,
2: yeah. Over the last two years, now about that line, 50%. The, the three-point line's a little bit closer It is, there, right? but he's a really he, good, he's shooter. A good shooter. shooter. Yeah. So, yeah, with that
0: potential there, that possibility, now whether he can crack Tibbs' rotation, that's another question. But I don't, don't think they're they have, ready to make that move on Nunnally. So, and, because they're right up against the luxury tax, you're not sending anybody, let alone no. You're not sending anybody
2: else right now. Well, and Doogie, don't you think, too, Timber Bulls jokes aside, they don't need another big, do they? I mean, they've got you've got Cat, you've got Gorgie, you've got Taj. You got to try and get something out of Justin Patton this year. I mean, what would they need another? I mean, forget the bolt, forget the ex bulls jokes. Take that out of it. I, what? Why would they even want to bring in Kim, Noah?
0: Agree, because I think the Tibbs. I've heard this a few times here this off season. The Tibbs plans on going to more small ball next right. year. Yeah, with Jimmy playing the four, playing the power forward position. Small ball four. So if Jimmy yeah. is playing small ball four, even more so, you don't need another big. You're right about Justin Patton, too. I still think there's something
2: there. they got to get something out of him.
0: And then Gorgie still deserves minutes. Like Gorgie had a really good game today for Senegal. Senegal's trying to qualify for next year's World Cup. They beat Rwanda, and I get it. Rwanda doesn't have NBA players, but 28 points, 11 of 14 from the field, made four three-pointers, handful of rebounds, assists, Gorgie's in great shape. still think Gorgie earns minutes. I still think a couple years ago, under Sam Mitchell, he was their best pick-and-roll defender. I still think there's some value there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not up to the contract and I, that he
2: has right now at $16 million a year. I feel like he's a guy, too, that the more he plays, the better he plays. When he's kind of in a situation... I mean, he, he was in a tough spot last year because he was a starting power forward in Tim's first year, and then Taj comes in usurps him as the starting power forward, and then that, Gorgie's like, well, what the hell, type of thing, and that I think that affected his play. I think if you play him more, he'll play better, and give him a more defined role, he'll play better.
0: That's fair. Also on the Wolves, zero dialogue on a Tyus Jones extension. Like Carl Anthony Towns, he's eligible for an extension right now, but there hasn't been any dialogue on that front, I still think that Carl Anthony Towns. We still have weeks to go. Still hasn't signed. Has he still know. hasn't signed. No pen to paper. That to is read, sending is some sort of message. But I still think, yeah. in the end, yeah. he does sign a few other scoops before you yes. need to hit a break. Mike Gensel, former Gopher's assistant, is now a pro scout for the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, congratulations! Good. Ben for him. Gordon, former Gopher, former Gopher. I don't know if his title was assistant coach a couple years ago. Yeah. What was his title? Do you remember when I you don't. were doing the Don Lucia show? But anyway, that's a name to watch. Matsko is still trying to fill an assistant coach's job. We thought it might be Chris McAlpine, but he's got a good thing going with the Octagon Agency. Sure. It was McAlpine's. In fact, at one point, some Gophers folks thought Chris was on board, but Chris told Bob a few days ago, I'm out. So keep an eye on the potential of Ben Gordon, Okay, another former Gopher Joining the Gopher staff.
4: Sounds good. Thank you, sir. All right. Take check it out, easy, boys. Check out uh, the Scoop Podcast with Doogie, Podcast One, and all the other good places that you find a podcast, including 1500ESPN.com. Uh, when we return, Sage Rosenfels once jogged out on a Lambo field by Brett Favre, as Brett Favre was uh, very much involved in that conversation. Here it is.
3: All right, Mackie and Judd, uh, and and we've had Sage Rosenfels on our show a number of times as just a a guest. We've had him on Radio Rose Super Bowl time, and we we get Sage on a handful of times throughout the course of a year. But we are happy this week to have Sage Rosenfels starting this week through the remainder of the season and then as a contributor until the NFL Draft on Purple Podcast with Matthew Collar and as a Friday regular on this show, Mackie and Judd. Sage, welcome to the show. we got Packers-Vikings to start things off with.
1: Yeah, it's a, a good first show to start with, and uh, you know, should be one heck of a game this weekend. Obviously, you know, the whole conversation about Aaron Rodgers, what he did last week, and what he may or may not do this week, uh, you know, probably fills the airwaves in, in, in Minnesota and in Wisconsin.
3: Yes, and, we, and we'll we'll dive into the game and all these things, but we want We we heard about uh, this exchange between you and Matthew Collar on the Purple Podcast earlier this week. We want you to extrapolate and elaborate for our audience. When you and Brett Favre together as a quarterback tandem uh, entered Lambeau Field for the first time in Vikings uniforms, the uh, Brett Favre's return to Lambeau Field.
1: Oh, well, you want me to uh, sort of describe the story and break that down? Would I
3: guess, love it, yes.
1: Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, 2009 going back and, and you know, we're playing at Lambeau Field. We'd already played uh, the Packers in Minnesota, so this is... You know, this is, I think, mid-late season, maybe November, I think it was. I'm not really sure. Maybe late October. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, we're going back to Lambeau, and, and Brett's really nervous for the game. And, and uh, uh, you know, we had a couple of interesting conversations in the locker room. But the coolest part about it for me, I recall, was when we came out of that, uh, that south tunnel uh, at Lambeau Field, uh, we you know, the team, the other side, the opposing team, comes out of and it truly is a tunnel you don't have a lot of tunnels like that in the NFL anymore it's like a one-man tunnel basically to walk through that thing and I I just sort of knew that a lot of eyes and cameras would be on the tunnel when Brett Favre came out so I made sure uh, I was right behind Brett and uh, sort of got to have that you know that weird NFL films experience you know with the camera running behind the Hall of Fame player <laughs> as he goes out for starting lineups or something like that I got to have that experience in, in, in real time and in real life, being right behind Brett, running out to Lambeau Field, and and hear a lot of cheers, and hear a lot of boos, and seeing a lot of cameras, uh, you know, filming that uh, his, his entryway uh, into the place that he had, uh, you know, done so many spectacular things over the course of his career.
4: So Sage, I, I was in the press box for that game, and I, I remember when you guys uh, came out. The press box there is sealed, so ordinarily, like the fan, the noise is is muffled at best. But I have never heard booze that loud, and I sw- I swear to you, it sounded to me from a place where it was hard to hear a bit. It sounded to me like the like the stadium was going to take off like an airplane. Just describe that reception as you jogged out with Brett, and how how weird that was. Because on the field, it must have been deafening from all the booze.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a very sort of strange experience, and I think Brett wasn't sure what he was going to get, and I think. You know, he he gave so much to the game and put so much into the game, and I think that's why fans loved him. He was really a magnetic uh, player, and you know they had so many unbelievable finishes and, and terrible conditions. And he was just sort of the perfect quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Really fit, I guess, into that type of community. Uh, you know, that type of you know he's a very sort of blue collar type of guy. Like to hunt, and he was really perfect for that team. And so then for him to leave and then come back uh, a couple years later in the hated Vikings purple. Uh, that was, you know, I think he was unsure of how that reception would be. He was so loved, you know, would they hate me? Would they, you know, still cheer for me? I will say this, there was a lot of booze, but I, I always felt like the, it was, it was like we have to boo you, but we don't really hate you. I didn't feel like there was a lot of hate, uh, amongst those, uh, you know, Packer fans for, uh, for, for Brett wearing purple and going, and going to the Vikings. And so, um, yeah, it was a very surreal experience. He played unbelievable during the game. Uh, and uh, we won that game, and, and it was you know was one of the biggest wins of the year, probably, of us trying to get that that uh, you know those high playoff seeds. But it was, it was a great football game. You know, Jared Allen was harassing Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, throughout the game. And I was sort of a young Aaron Rodgers at that point, just becoming a really good player. Uh, but yeah, it was a very mumble experience, a lot of booze. But then you did see uh, you, you saw these people wearing you know uh, a half Green Bay jerseys, half uh, Vikings jerseys, with a uh, you know four split down the middle. Uh, you saw you, know, you could tell couples where maybe the, the the husband was wearing a Packers jersey and it was, it was a Favre something, and you could tell he was upset. He maybe even had a sign on the jersey like "I hate Favre now" or something. And then his wife right next to him would be wearing a a Vikings purple jersey. I mean, it was it was a very surreal and unusual game. And and I'm just happy we pulled out the win. Wow.
2: So Sage, this is Manny talking with you. Um... So this matchup this week with the Vikings and Packers, everybody's sort of looking at Aaron Rodgers and the injury and how mobile is he going to be? If you're, if you're the Vikings going into a matchup like this, I mean, how, how, how does your approach change if at all? If he's, if you're thinking too much, cause we heard Everson Griffin earlier this week, he said, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care if he's mobile or not mobile or whatever. You know, we just got to go out and get ready to play Aaron. I mean, is that, kind of the normal mindset for an entire team?
1: Yeah, but I think it changes things a little bit defensively. You know, the offense yeah. it, it, its a sort of a whole separate side of the world. They're trying to beat the Packers' defense, Kirk Cousins and his crew. But the defense, they're going to have certain things that they're talking about throughout the week and maybe a few things they sort of practice on a little bit. Uh, you know, but one thing that would be surprising if it, it, is if Aaron can move around as much as he could in the past. I, I, I saw a staff the other day. Uh, since Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL, uh, and this is including you know guys have been in the league for much longer than him, guys uh, like Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning, uh, but, but but Aaron Rodgers has thrown the most touchdowns out of the pocket uh, uh, than any other quarterback in the NFL. That's really where he's extremely dangerous. You can cover everybody down the field for three, four, five seconds, uh, but then Aaron you know gets out of the pocket. He, he moves around so well, incredibly well. Uh, and then buys time, and then ends up having the arm and the accuracy to make these incredible throws down the field, it's really almost impossible for a defense to cover those guys for that long, and so uh, I do believe if he isn't mobile, uh, it, it will have, a, a, I guess, a different impact, have a huge impact in the game, I would think, but you know, defensively coaching, uh, you know, they might play a little bit more man or a little bit more zone based off of, what they feel is the best, and, and you know, because if, if he can't move around like he normally can, and, and I, I, I gotta think, uh, as pass rushers, those guys like Everson can take a lot more chances uh, because before they had to stay in their pass rush lanes. If they got out of their lanes and, and, and Aaron Rodgers got loose, uh, he could really create uh, some issues, you know, with the secondary. So, uh, my guess is that those guys could probably take a few more chances, maybe break some of the sort of pass rush rules. of, whether they go over the top or, or underneath the end of Neil Hunter, uh, and of course trying to collapse that pocket from those guys on the inside to really give Aaron Rodgers nowhere to go, uh, You know that would be huge. If they actually would try to try to force him out of the pocket uh, because I think he'd be less dangerous this week than other weeks.
3: Yeah, Sage Rosenfeld's with us. He's a Friday regular here during the NFL season, the Viking season, on Mackey and Judd. Uh, Mike Zimmer's defenses even going back to Cincinnati, not every time they play Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has definitely had his 3 or 4 touchdown games, but his Mike Zimmer defenses have flustered Aaron Rodgers more than more than the norm for for a guy who might be the greatest quarterback of of this era. What do you think it is about what Zimmer does that leads to more success against Rodgers than the average team in the rest of the league?
1: Well, and I saw this, you know, the last couple of years. You know, they play a lot of man-to-man in general. The Vikings probably play as much man-to-man defense as anyone in the NFL. They do play their share of, you know, what they call cover four or quarter-quarter-half coverage, which is or those are zone coverages. But in particular, it seems like that Mike Zimmer just really feels comfortable with his man-to-man matchups versus the Packers, uh, you know, wide receiver crew. And I'm not trying to take, you know, take things away from those you know, guys like Adams and, and uh, you know, those, those guys have good players over there. But I just feel like Zimmer thinks that man for man. When you talk, you talk about Harrison Smith versus their tight ends, which they have not had, you know, great tight ends since, you know, back in the Jermichael Finley days, which now you're talking about, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, they haven't had a great tight end since then. So he loves his matchup with the strong safety. Obviously, he loves a matchup with Xavier Rhodes versus basically anybody in the, in the NFL. And I think he likes his matchup with Trey Waynes on, whoever the number two guy is. So I, I think the way that Mike Zimmer coaches this ballgame, he says, you know, we, we love the matchups. We're going to go man for man. They're going to have to be us man for man. And in, in, in the, with the wide receiver stuff, we're not going to play a lot of zone coverage and let Aaron Rodgers just sort of buy time and let those guys just sort of come open in zone coverage.
4: Your assessment of uh, Cousins in week one, Sage, And how tough of place is this to to play now? I believe Cousins said that he was in a game uh, at Lambeau as a backup in Washington, but I don't think he's played there. How tough of environment is this to uh, step into and play in, do you think?
1: Um, I I think I got caught in your question. Well, I thought Kirk played well last week. You know, I think what you have to realize, and I think Kirk Cousins, he's such a smart guy, and I think anyone who's seen him interviewed, uh, throughout the off season or just so far this year, you just see he's an intelligent guy who's sort of thinking about everything. And I think when he goes into these games, and as the games are progressing, I think he's constantly sort of checking the temperature of what does he have to do? Does he have to be a playmaker? Does he have to play just you know crazy outstanding football to to beat the opposing team? Or does he need to just to go out there and, and execute and do his job uh, and, and try to stay away from turnovers? I think going into this football game, uh, he was sort of seeing you know. Who do the 49ers have over there? You know, they were without a lot of threat. Jared McKinnon's out. The wide receiver came out early in that football game. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have to play great. He was going to have to be a magician in that game uh, for the 49ers to win. Kirk Cousins didn't have to do that. He knows he's got a great defense. Uh, They ran the ball fairly well, uh, I would say, in that game. I would say it was an effective running game. It wasn't a great running game, but they were effective in what they were trying to do. And, you know, complete passes and stay away from turnovers. And, you know, use the weapons uh, when you get those matchups. And he got a great matchup with Stephon Diggs and, and put the ball there and, and, and had a, a great red zone matchup for Kyle Rudolph, which, you know, Rudy sort of is like the red zone guy, you know, of this football team. He's got such a great uh, catch radius that, uh, he, you know, he's really effective all over the red zone. And, uh, and, and Cousins found those guys. So I think as he goes into the games and as the game progresses, uh, you got to sort of get in Kirk Cousins' mind. What does he need to do? You know, how, how aggressive does he need to play uh, with the next drive for, you know, for his team to be successful? I think he sort of keeps everything at about 55 or 60 miles an hour most of the time because he realizes that he doesn't have to step on the gas and go 90 uh, because his team is usually going to be you know, even or close or maybe even ahead and lean on that defense, lean on that running game. Uh, just do your job as a quarterback. But I do think they went out and got him because if he needs to, he can step on the gas more than Case Keenum could or some of the other guys that were free agents last year. If they have to go 80 or 90 miles an hour, he is the guy that could possibly bring them back from 14 points. I don't think they believe that with Case Keeman as much compared to Kirk Cousins.
2: Sage, how do you think the Vikings should use Dalvin Cook in a game like this, and what sort of matchup problems could he present for the Packers' defense?
1: i tell you what, Dalvin Cook is, when he catches the ball, there is a different speed that he just has, and, and you know, NFL players are all fast, but when you see a guy that's just significantly faster than everybody else, and you saw it last week with just a couple short passes, you know, he got around that corner, and he was, and the, and the Jets were on, and, and next thing you know, he was about 10 or, or 15 yards down the field, he is uh, a real special talent, so uh, you know, as, as they look at as, you know, coordinators more and more, I think in the NFL they're looking at matchups. You know, what does this team play for coverages? But when it is a lot of man type stuff, or even some sort of these zone coverages that have man matchups underneath, which a lot of times happen on the third down, what is the matchup with Dalvin Cook? You know, versus the linebackers that will be playing him in man to man coverage, and I and I think you know that that's a huge weapon. McKinnon was a big advantage last year. Uh, you know, for, for the offense. Uh, when when, when Cook was injured, and I think Dalvin Cook is even more special than McKinnon was as far as getting open versus man coverage, getting separation, catching the ball on third down. He's going to pick up a lot of first downs uh, for the Vikings this year on third
3: down. Yeah. All right, be honest. If you worked out for two weeks, could you do a better job than Nathan Peterman has so far in his young career? Poor kid. You know, two weeks?
1: I don't don't think two weeks. I don't know. I will say, I I feel (laughs) sorry for this kid. Uh, You know, I... I always tell people I was really lucky that I didn't have to play for a couple years. I was third string my first year in Washington. I was basically third string the next couple years in Miami, and I got time to really learn the game. There there was no way that I was ready to play NFL-level football my rookie year, even my second year in the the NFL. I just didn't understand the game that that, that well yet. Uh, I wasn't that accurate. He was a kid that was thrown out there. He must have he must have looked good in practice last year, and he was thrown out there. See five picks, so I think it was five picks or six picks or something in the first half. Yeah, it was. And then his first game, his next start, it's downpouring at Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. So I I, I I'm not going to write this kid off yet. He's sort of become this sort of joke. I think around the matchup, you know at National Football League, he's had two absolutely terrible starts. Uh, but man, you know he's a he's a young guy still trying to make it. I hope he's one of those guys that somewhere down the line. He just he just keeps grinding. You know, keep his head up, steadily improves, and tries to play and play a little bit better. Make like every time he goes in there, and uh, it'd be great to see this kid have like a ten-year career. But yeah, obviously he has not started off on, on the right foot. Tweaks? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I would like to think so. Maybe two months. I could go out there and and and, uh, and well. I feel pretty good about getting more than 24 uh, yards passing and, and a half and feel good about having less than five interceptions and a half as well. I feel pretty good about that.
3: This is like the Judd Athlete Challenge. I think you're right about that. Professional athlete. Uh, you can find Sage Rosenfels with Matthew Collar twice a week on the Purple Podcast as well. And Friday's with us, all of it on 1500ESPN.com. Sage, great stuff, man. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. ESPN.
2: Four minutes in front of the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd rolls on. Quick look at your traffic. We've got a few wrecks around the Metro. 694 Westbound. Look out for a crash. Delaying things by about seven minutes. That's in between University and East River Road at 694 Westbound. Look out for a crash there if you're in that area. Also, uh, northbound W, we have a crash uh, near the 35W Bridge uh, going over the Mississippi River. That's delaying things by 10 minutes. And 94 westbound, uh three-minute delay as uh, we have a crash between Snelling and Pryor. Gentlemen.
4: Thank you, sir. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios is where we are. Manny Hill, are you uh, familiar with the work of one Brandon Scoopy Robinson? Um, uh, no, actually, I'm not. I,
2: uh, <laughs> I will be fully not. I, uh, <laughs> I will be fully honest. I you was not.
4: not either until, uh, Mike Randall, Star Tribune picked up something that, uh, that this guy wrote... I saw this, yes. ...on his website, or a website, and this came after he talked to one Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. former Wolves star, the guy who should have his number 21 in the rafters. Greatest but,
2: player in the history of the franchise. Yeah,
4: but he doesn't have his number retired because yep. he and the owner don't get along, uh, anyway, it looks like uh, Robinson here. Scoop, we'll call him Scoopy, addressed a question to KG. Could Derrick Rose be the Wolves' starting point guard this season? Here is the response from Kevin Garnett, former Wolves star. As you said, greatest player in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. It meaning I'd start him. You know, you get older, but the knowledge don't go anywhere. Derek's more crafty now than ever in the pick-and-roll. He's able to get shots for guys, and he's able to knock shots down. So, yeah, I would start him. Manny Hill, I would just like to hear you in the remaining time in this uh, segment before Phil joins, and we do write that down. I would just like to hear your thoughts about uh, Kevin Garnett saying that not only does he think Derek Rose belongs on the Wolves roster, but he would start him.
2: You know, um I would just like to remind people, and and I'm sure many people are aware, that uh, the current year is uh, 2018. It's not 2011, which was uh, when Derrick Rose won the uh, National Basketball Association Most Valuable Player Award. Uh, The Bulls, I believe, won 62 games that year, number one seed in the Eastern Conference, got to the Eastern Conference Finals where they fell to LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Um, Derrick Rose is not that player anymore. He has not been that player for a really long time. At least, it's been at least five years or so since he's been that player. Um, I've, I've it, you, you, you are already your your starting lineup. You you don't have great three point shooting in your starting lineup. And this this again, may may I remind people, it is two thousand eighteen. The three point shot, whether you like it or not is a huge part of offenses now in the NBA, except for the offense of the Minnesota Timberwolves, apparently. it you, You're starting five right now, if you're the Wolves, is Towns, Butler, Wiggins, Teague, Gibson. You have, in that starting lineup, you have one really good three-point shooter, and he's also your starting center. Yep. So... Jeff Teague is an okay three-point shooter. He did 35-36% for his career. Jimmy Butler, okay three-point shooter, about the same numbers. Derrick Rose, I don't even believe is a 30% three-point shooter. I think it's under 30%. So you you are if you put him in your starting lineup, yeah, there's going to be some pick and roll and Derrick can still get to the rim a little bit. He still got a little bit of bounce in his in his in his shot, but he can't spread the floor. And this was the issue that I had when they brought him in, in the first place. He can't spread the floor. So why I don't understand the floor? So why I don't understand this? <laughs> I don't get it.
4: It's Derek Rose, man. It's Tibbs. And now KG. And Jamal Crawford also spoke in the same piece, glowingly, of Derek Rose. Yeah. So... I just thought it was very interesting that KG decided to endorse Derrick Rose to be the Timberwolves' starting point guard. Perhaps he's trying to sabotage Tibbs and Glenn Taylor. Perhaps that's it. He's sabotaging. Uh, Mackie joins us next. We will uh, come back with Write That Down from the TCL Broadcast Studios. back with Write That Down from the TCL Broadcast Studios.
3: The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500. ESPN.
0: This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more.